When we think of our life with the Messiah, what, what comes to mind? Well, we should recognize that he is, he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of, of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have just the joy, the, a heart that loves the scripture. All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yo. It is Wednesday, October 2nd, 2019. This is Messiah Matters number 274. Still having trouble with titles. My name is Caleb Hegg. And not having any trouble with titles. <laughs> of course. As a matter of fact, I enjoy creating titles. My name's Rob. Oh, uh, yes. Let's that was a, a towards that was an insider joke with Caleb teasing me about my my funny but long-winded uh, <laughs> article titles. Oh. Actually, thinking back to uh, our wonderful time in the Great White North, I, w- I kept it simple. I had three present as crisis, kinship, and the king, right? So the first session, crisis, kinship, and the king, one, two, and three. I tried to keep it small. But those were newer than my original titles, which were really long-winded. So, For those who know. don't know what's going on, when, every time <laughs> Rob goes to the ET or goes and presents at SBL, and anytime, well, anytime he's had any kind of a even on Torah Resource, if you go look at the titles on Torah Resource of his ti- titles for articles, it's not like you know uh, Gentiles in Galatians. It's like Gentile Paul's view of Gentiles and the word circumcision within Galatians and the Dead Sea Scrolls in the first century Judaism's. Can't is it monolithic? You know, like those. It's like it just keeps going and going and going. Here's the thing, you know, like <laughs> it's about it's precision. Good. Here's the thing, though, is don't hear me, don't hear me down in you. I'm not down in you because honestly, at this at this point in time, it's become a signature mark. You yeah. can't. You, and have, you know what? I have to say, I probably influenced by. There's, I'm not the only pe- person who does that kind of thing, but um. um I gotta tell everyone. I was looking at uh, uh, Michael is, is creating the uh, is creating the uh, executive producer credits uh, cre- uh, the mug for the executive producer. Uh, he's doing it right now, and uh, I gotta say, I'm so excited for this one because it's so cool. I might just go ahead and buy one myself. Caleb might become an executive producer. I might become an executive producer. It's is that, it's that is that good. going to be available for people to look at? Yeah. So like, by the end of the day, it should be up. Uh, so it's Wednesday. Well, I already said it's Wednesday, October second, two thousand nineteen. So by the end of today, you should be able to go and see the fall executive producer credit, and it'll only be up for about three months, and then we'll switch over to a winter credit. So you'll only have a limited time. But it is really cool, and it's really good, and, and you should go check it out. Okay. Boy, oh boy, did we kick a hornet's nest last week. For those, hey, well, One more note on that. Yes. I can see there's probably people who've been, who have every mug. I don't know. It doesn't matter if there are or not. But like, there are the Millers. People, they're going to have people over for, you know, for dessert, and everybody's going to have a, Everybody's <laughs> going to have a mug. Everybody around the table is going to have a different. Yes. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Okay, well, we, uh, as I said, we kicked a hornet's nest last week, and uh, predominantly it was this one comment which I clipped. Now, I we've gotten a lot of flack from a lot of people for different reasons. One of the reasons, uh, brother wrote in and said, you know, this clip is, you have to watch the whole thing, and, I, you know, people aren't going to watch the whole thing. If this is trying to be bait, you know, you need to use different bait. Fair enough, I understand. Um, at the same time, it served the purpose that I wanted it to serve. I clip just, it's about two minutes, and it's Rob making a challenge to the Hebrew Roots movement, okay? Now, we're going to talk about what the... I haven't he- actually, well, I, I just went and rewatched that segment of the show, but I didn't actually, I went to the actual show link, not the clip Right, link, so. right. Now, the next day, 
I uh, once again uh, posted a clip, and it was of a little bit more expansion of what we were, a little bit more of the context. Now, it wasn't the full context, so a lot of people saw just that one clip. Nobody commented on the second clip. But basically, in this clip in question, which we're talking about, Rob says, I got a challenge for the Hebrew Roots Movement. If, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, if you uh, if you claim to be part of the Hebrew Roots Movement, and uh, and you are you're proficient in Hebrew. Contact me, and we'll we'll read some scripture together. And we'll, well, and, and that followed my state. My statement before that was, I have not met. Right. I didn't mean to say. I, I don't. I look back, and I didn't see me saying that they're not out there. Otherwise, I wouldn't have asked the question. Right. I, I said I've never met someone who claimed to be Hebrew roots who wasn't actually trying to use Hebrew, but they were using it incorrectly, whether it's Hebrew word pictures or um, gematria or stuff where they didn't know it, or or making up Hebrew names like Yahoo, Yahusha or... Yahuwah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so my statement was, first, I haven't met anybody. And then my question was, my challenge was, if you consider yourself, if you think you're a candidate for that, if you're someone who is proficient in Hebrew and you uh, you think Hebrew roots is a good description for who you are, let me know. I'd love to talk to you. Um, oh, wait, hang on, by just... proficient, I didn't mean fluent. I didn't mean even that you've memorized the entire Tanakh. I just mean <laughs> that you just that you have some competency, that you're able to read some passages of Scripture in Hebrew and translate it and and talk about what what it is you're reading and what it means in a in a just a basic level i'm not talking that everybody needs to be a a a genius or a photographic memory kind of person can i just make one observation here before we go on we've i mean we've gotten a lot of response on this we got people responding on uh youtube you know making all these comments on the youtube uh video the 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 clip the two two minute clip itself so there was uh, some i mean not a ton but there was there was a good amount of interaction and then we've gotten emails as well yet i will note this now this isn't a slam on anyone but i will note this we still have not anyone contacted us and say, to say i'm part of the hebrew roots movement and i'm proficient in hebrew i i accept the challenge so this the, the the challenge has still been been laid and, and no one has has responded and to what, it. And one of the responses that came from more you know a couple different channels, I don't know if the people know each other or not, was, look, Hebrew in Hebrew and Hebrew roots doesn't mean the language. It right. means Abraham. Right. We'll it talk about the, we'll talk about that. Yeah, okay. We'll talk we'll about there. that a little bit later. Okay. Um, but yeah, oh. I didn't realize. Uh, Caleb, you shared some comments. You know, I got some email. You got some email. You shared some stuff with me I hadn't seen. I didn't realize that people were invested as much as they are. We certainly didn't title. set out. Yeah, to we, you know, um, so. Yeah, so, let's but you know, but you know today. what? When we talk about titles, when we talk about titles, we we have to understand that that I mean, everyone. <laughs> Well, I'll read, a, I'll read a quote here in a few seconds. But I think that one of the main problems that we have, and I was talking to my mom earlier today, and she was telling me, you know, I, I'm confused because I don't understand what the difference is between all these different titles. What, is, what does it mean to be Hebrew Roots? And I said, that's a great question. You know, what I say might be different than what somebody else says. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like... Uh... Your opinion, man. Uh, so let's go to a quote here. And, and this I found this just a few minutes before we came on air. This is a great quote. But, okay, so I, I watch Tony on Wretched uh, Radio a lot, okay? Uh, and, and I really like uh, I, I really like Tony on, on Wretched. Now, Tony is coming from a very traditional mainstream, Orthodox Christian, and there's nothing, you know, I would claim to be uh, very much in line with uh, a significant portion of Orthodox Christianity. Uh, so, I, and I really like his perspective on a lot of things. Now, he did a video 
on the Hebrew Roots movement. It's 11 minutes long, and he, he actually uh, he, he reads out of this article. So I went and I found the article. It's by Answers in Genesis on the dangers of the Hebrew Roots movement. And I'm sure a lot of people have seen this. It came out quite a, quite a while ago. But they make some very poignant statements. Now, let's preface this with the fact that, you know, Tony, if you go and you search out Tony's uh, uh, video on Wretched Radio on, on the Hebrew Roots, he comes from a very traditional st- standpoint on this. So he's, you know, the first of all, the Answers in Genesis article is looking predominantly at what they think is wrong with the idea that uh, that the Hebrew Roots movement uh, says that Jew and Gentile should keep the Mosaic Law. So that's the thrust of what they're looking at. So from a Christian perspective, uh, they're looking. I think they're looking at the, the, this from a different perspective than what perhaps. Rob and I are looking at it from, and Tony sure. on Wretched Radio is is coming at it from a very uh, traditional standpoint as well. So he brings up things like Hebrews nine three eleven and talks about how the the covenant was nailed to the cross. Of course, he doesn't tell his audience that the word covenant is not in that passage to be nailed to the cross. Anyway, not the point. He brings up Colossians two, uh, yet he doesn't bring up the idea that the word dogma is used there and not namas. Uh, so I mean, there's. There's all these there's all these little things that uh, would need to be tweaked and, and discussed when you know if I was if I had the the supreme honor of sitting down and, and chatting with Tony uh, I would I would want to just bring up some of these uh, things and and maybe get his take on it. Okay, with all that said, real, real quick footnote yes. there. Yeah, uh, it's the Ephesians two that has the word dogma in it. Colossians technically two, it's Colossians technically two does as well. Colossians two does as well. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, it's in Ephesians only. Uh, there, it's a parallel idea. Okay, I you're the it, teacher. It, it, I'm the student. I will accept. Yeah. Um, anyway, but it's the same idea. It, the, it's talking about the same issue, the Ephesians two and Colossians two. So, any hoodles? Any hoodles? I just uh, bumped Caleb's record. No, hang on. No, it's okay because I'm now I'm looking at it. Okay, uh, I agree. However, that, I'm in the wrong passage anyway, so that would probably help. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, okay. Um, nonetheless, you got to watch us. You got to watch us, you guys. When you, I know when we We're, quote scripture, have your like have your Bible ready. Did they misspeak? Because we misspeak sometimes. Get you know? your uh, get your 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 Greek New Testament out. Okay. Um, here we go. Though this now this from the Answers in Genesis article, and it's not in your show notes because I found it right before we came on air. And uh, they now this is in the introduction of the article. And this I thought was really interesting because although I disagree with a lot of the article itself, um, this is what they say about the Hebrew Roots movement. Okay, they say in recent years, an increasing number of Christians have adopted teachings associated with the Hebrew Roots movement, HRM. Properly defining this movement is difficult because it has no... Now, this is important. Properly defining this movement is difficult because it has no central hierarchy or leader and no official statement of faith for members to endorse. And this is one of the huge issues that we have and one of the reasons that people are so upset. People consider... With us, people consider themselves to be Hebrew roots and they just say, well, you... It's a self... It's a uh, self-adopted label. Yeah, exactly. It's, a, but, it's but, an but adopted they, label. Well, it's not just self-adopted. People are projecting it onto other people, namely us. Oh, I see what you mean. So people are saying, well, you guys are part of the Hebrew Roots movement. Without so, checking with us. Yeah, exactly. You know, projecting like, onto people without checking it, right. running it by them. Okay, so so let's go on with this Answers in Genesis article. That's fair. They say, while this, uh, while this article will explain and critique some of the major te- teachings, Connected to this movement, we recognize that some adherence to the Hebrew roots. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Later on in the uh, just a paragraph down, they say it is difficult to document the move, the movement's history because of its lack of orga- organizational structure. Yeah, no doubt. But the modern Hebrew roots movement has been influenced in some ways by the Seventh Day Adventism. I I would agree with that. And, and this one is really important, and the Worldwide Church of God during the lifetime of its founder, Herbert W. Armstrong. Now, we're going to come back to that in just a second and talk about that. Additionally, the Hebrew Roots movement has been influenced by the practices of Messianic Jews. Now, that now, the one thing that I think that they did right here, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I agree with all of what they're saying here. Uh, the one thing that I really appreciate, that's a better way to uh, describe it, the one thing I really appreciate about this statement right here is that they have noticed a separation between 
Hebrew Roots Movement and Messianic Jews, because I believe that there is a difference. Okay, so, right, 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 right. so they say, additionally, the Hebrew Roots Movement has been influenced by the practices of Messianic Jews, but the similarities between the groups are su superfluous and should not be conflated. In fact, some Messianic Jewish organizations have denounced the beliefs of the Hebrew Roots Movement. Exactly. And I think that this is one of the big problems with a lot of people within the Hebrew Roots Movement is that they they have they see Hebrew Roots Movement as a blanket a blanket term like the word Christianity. Look, a Mormon will tell you that they're a Christian. Do I consider them a Christian? No, they believe in multiple gods. So what you know? Not only that, they believe. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, ton, there's yeah, tons yeah, yeah. of different there's things, more. but the but the point is, is that they just you you know they're going to take the word Christian and say anyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is a Christian. In the same way, I believe that some people within the Hebrew Roots movement. I'm, of course, I don't make blatant blanket statements myself, but some people within the Hebrew Roots movement have said anyone who believes that the Torah, uh, that the that law of God is uh, is applicable for Jew and Gentile today, and believes that Jesus is the Messiah is in fact, in the Hebrew Roots Movement. And this is essentially what Answers in Genesis have has done as well. So here's the first question I want to pose to you, Rob. Um, and okay. and this is the one that we'll talk about. We can get the chat rooms uh, 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 joining in on this as well. Is everyone who keeps Torah and believes in Yeshua part of the Hebrew Roots Movement? I, I In my opinion, no. But I think there are people who would say yes. Okay, so let's have. And the reason I would say yeah. that, just from the feedback we got, but I would say no. I would say my answer is no. Yeah, I think we got a comment on this actually. Hang on, let me let me check the records. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> James and Hannah. These guys were really gracious, by the way. I really appreciated their message. James and Hannah write in and they say, "Shalom, brothers. By definition, you are both part of the Hebrew Roots movement." So you could interview yourselves if you would like to, Rob. <laughs> I should do that. Oh, man, that would be hilarious. Okay, anyway, and, and I could set that up so that you were on both sides of the screen talking to yourself, by the way. That'd be really fun. Um, okay, but by definition. Yeah, whose definition? By whose definition? Does he unpack, do they unpack that a little bit? Uh, well, let's. Read. I love their sense of humor. I love the sense yeah. Of humor. The, the, the sense of humor is great. Could you please stop maligning us and yourselves? Yes, there are unlearned and unstable people among us, but that isn't really anything different from the rest of Christian history. Okay, hang on, stop right there. I get, I we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but then why not just call yourself a Christian? If Christian history has always had little splits and, and big splits and whatnot and, and different factions then why are you calling yourself Hebrew roots? Call yourself a Christian. If the, if the blanket term has always been Christian, then why are, you, then why are we uh, creating a new term in the first place? It doesn't make any sense to me. What, another strange thing is, is the idea, basically, and we heard from more than one, I mentioned this earlier, more than one uh, stream of feedback was, look, you're misunderstanding Hebrew. It doesn't mean Hebrew language. It means Abraham the Hebrew. It means oh, those who are yeah. called... Keep, but, but my point is here is that, okay, but even when you learn the language Hebrew in English, there's such thing as like the Hebrew root. In other words, the Hebrew root is, has to do with the root of a word, right? Like what's the root? And when you learn a Semitic language, you learn uh, that it's different than than uh, yeah. you know, English. Neam in, in the chat room, he says, Hebrew means to cross over. Haven't we all crossed over from death to life? Haven't all Christians crossed over from death to okay, life? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine if someone wants to say that's... But then you're Hebrew. Then call yourself Hebrew or Hebrews. Yeah, don't call like yourself the Hebrew. Like yeah. Hebrew roots is not a biblical term. It can't. It's not defined by Scripture. And so therefore, that's, that's back to the answer in Genesis point, I think, is that, look, it's... A, it's a new, innovated term without a clear definition and different groups promoting it. And so right. that's the difficulty. The word Christiana, uh, uh, Christian, is actually in Scripture and actually right. has a historical grammatical meaning that can be defined and defended. It's not a made-up term. Although, granted, it, it does, like you were saying earlier, Caleb, it, you know, different groups will latch onto that term. But... Um, but they want that term, right? They want, I think Mormons want to be called Christians. 
right? They, right. they desire that term to hijack that term and hold on to its value for their own purpose. I, but it's I don't deceptive. know it's deceptive. why are people holding – what's curious to me is why people see the term Hebrew roots movement and hold on to that and want to hold on to that as a as a, a differentiator of identity. Now, just like you just shared, the idea of, well, chairman. Abraham's a Hebrew and we've all crossed over and so – well, then call yourselves Hebrews, I guess, you know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Dude, our but room. but to me, the language is core. That you you can't dismiss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Language might not be all of it, but when people in the larger English speaking world think of the word Hebrew, with respect to Bible discussion, they're thinking of a language of the Old Testament, right? The language of the Tanakh. That's what they're thinking about. I I uh, MC in the in the uh, chat room says, "Is this set up like Bill Johnson saying he is not part of the NA, NAR?" Though most consider him part of it, I—I I mean, maybe I'm sure there will be people who say, "Oh, yeah, you guys are just nitpicking," but but so I want to go back to the first question I asked. I have three questions in total, by the way, and then we'll look at some of these comments. Well, here, okay, real quick before because my brain will go ahead. Forget. Go ahead. What does the what does the Hebrew roots movement reject? So, okay, I think that that, I don't think that that's the correct, I don't think that's the correct uh, question. I think the question needs to be reversed. What does the Hebrew roots predominate, and this is one of the, this is exactly what Answers in Genesis was saying, is that there's no faith statement and there's no, and this is one of the reasons that we have such a problem. Hang on, before we go to that, because okay. these these are th- that relates to my next two questions. But the okay. first question is: Is everyone who keeps Torah and believes in the Yeshua, in Yeshua part of the Hebrew roots movement? I say no. You say my no, and is- and I but I want to hash this out a little bit. And I and and the reason why is because do we have people just like the answers in Genesis said? Okay, for instance, the UMJC, the United Messianic Jewish Congregations. Messianic Jewish. Now, they are going to adamantly say they are not Hebrew roots. They are Messianic Jews. What does that mean? Now, granted, we're going to get into some theological issues here. So, for instance, the UMJC, and I would say predominantly the majority, I would say 80 to 90% of the people who claim to be Messianic Jews believe in bilateral ecclesiology. Now, that's a really big word, but what bilateral ecclesiology means is that there are two how there are two assemblies or two people of God. Uh, there are the Jews and then there are the Gentiles, and God has given the law to the to the Jews to keep them distinct and to keep their identity intact. And the Gentiles are part of the house, but it's kind of like a duplex. The Jews are on this side, the the Gentiles on this side. The Gentiles need to stay in their churches, whereas the Jews are in their messianic right, synagogues. Right. And usually, in my experience, most of the people in the Jewish side of that don't see Torah as God's commandments as obligatory. Rather, they are cultural identity markers. It's right. cultural. It's cultural history. It's not commandments. And there's a di- and there because to me there's a difference between commandment and cultural heritage. Right. Yes. And John Johnny in the chat room says or divine invitation, which is the same thing essentially. It's bilateral ecclesiology wrapped up in a little bit different packaging, but or they it, called one of them was promoting radial or something, right? Radial they, ecclesiology. Basically, divine invitation theory would say that the Jews are commanded to keep the Torah and they are supposed to, whereas the Gentiles are not commanded to; they're just invited to. Hence, the name divine invitation. It's a divine invitation to keep the Torah, but if you don't and you're a Gentile, it's no big deal. These it's like all- it's like it's so funny. It's like, yeah, the apostles went to the synagogues throughout the Mediterranean, preaching the gospel, and they invited Gentiles to abandon idolatry. <laughs> right, right. And oh, and it happened to be on Shabbats, right? Time and time again in in Acts, it's Jews and Gentiles on the Sabbath day, hearing the Torah and the prophets read, and then hearing the gospel being preached, and the Gentiles believing. But then after that, they told, well, you guys need to go, you know, this is really only for Jews. You Gentiles need to go figure out your own religion, you know. 
Um, so yeah, it, that's a dead end street, that theology. Okay. But so that's one aspect. So that's one group that we can say these people reject the, the, uh, idea, like the, uh, theology of Hebrew roots outright, say we're not part of it. They are not aligned with the Hebrew roots. They are considered Messianic Jews. And honestly, I think that... Oh, and the, those will have probably some sort of rabbinic ordination. Right. So it's, there's an it's, affirmation it's of... fake rabbinic ordination, right, yeah, but yeah. I, I, I don't think it's legit at all, but agreed. It, but they use that because they've reinterpreted the term rabbi as... It just means a teacher of a Jewish things in a Jewish community, right? Um like the the carrier of the traditions is a person who has the ability to teach the traditions to a community, right? That's the rabbi. Um, but yeah, oh, oh, okay. okay. But let's look at a different. So, in other the, words, Hebrew roots movement doesn't have rabbis, right. right? Would we agree on that? Well, not necessarily, but maybe. Um, but let's go back to what Answers in Genesis brought up. No, they have Rav's Rav, um, Rav Shaul, Rav. Whatever. <laughs> okay, so so let's go back to what Answers in Genesis brought up. And actually, Gary in the chat room, Gary makes a great point, and I want to go back to that as well. We and we will we will go back to that um, because that's actually my next question, Gary. Thank you. Um, so so Answers in Genesis brings up the fact that uh, the Hebrew Roots movement comes out of Seventh Day Adventism and also the Worldwide Church of God during the lifetime of founder Herbert W. Armstrong. For those who don't know what Worldwide Church of God is. This was a very large church, and they had multiple. They had a school. They had multiple outreach uh, organizations and and uh, different churches all around uh, the world, basically. They yeah, ke- yeah. They, they kept they kept the uh, the biblical feast. When I was in Trinidad, there was a, a person came by and stopped by, and they there was a different island they go they were from, but apparently they they do a huge Sukkot. They like right. they're still. Oh, and, and to this day, oh. even though even the worldwide it has disbanded, there are still people that were part of worldwide who get together in these locations every single year. I got a friend who's who's part of this who who goes down into Oregon every year to be part of the worldwide group that gets gets together for Sukkot. They kept the Sabbath on Saturday. They kept a kosher diet, uh, from what I understand, and they uh, and they kept the festivals. Now w- there were huge, huge theological issues with with Herbert Armstrong and with Worldwide Church of God. Namely, they denied the deity of the... Well, I shouldn't say that. Worldwide was binatarianism, uh, ultimately. So they they denied the Trinity. They accepted Yeshua as divine. So the Holy Spirit was not divine. Right. And there there were... uh, After the whole split, there were some who rejected binatarianism and went only to Unitarianism, which is that Yeshua is not divine only the Father is is God, um, and so that is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of of the uh, the theological uh, missteps that that uh, worldwide and Herbert Armstrong made, and uh, and and they abound. So, um, but all this to say that that the worldwide Church of God would have never considered themselves to be Hebrew roots. Was the term even? Did it have any currency at that point? I don't think it did, but the point, but my ultimate point is you can't look at everyone who keeps the Torah. In other words, Seventh-day Adventists predominantly uh, keep the Sabbath on Saturdays. They uh, predominantly are vegetarians. Um, You know, they might not keep the festivals, but there's, you know, they they uphold certain parts of Torah that, that the mainstream Sunday Christian church does not. Yet we don't call them Hebrew roots, and the same with Seventh Day Baptists. We don't look at the Seventh Day Baptists and say, "Aha, they're part of the Hebrew roots movement." Nobody does that. And so the idea that that you can just connect anyone who who believes that the Torah should be kept and belief in Yeshua and put this broad label over them that is Hebrew roots, I'm sorry, I just I don't buy that. Well, so it's a fair back to their point too about branding, right? In a way, it's branding. Seventh Day Adventists have a brand. Right, they have authority structure. They have statements of faith. They have literature and institutions that teach seven SDA. Right, same thing with any of these other groups. It seems that, or like the UMJC, it's a brand. Right, there's a brand. There's a leadership. There's this is what we believe. They have a logo. You know. Right. There, Hebrew Roots doesn't have a brand. 
Exactly. And there's no clear manufacturer. It's kind of like uh, <laughs> I, I'm using the business. I'm using, you know, I'm using product, you know, business idea just to help think about this stuff. Right. Oh, they don't man. have a clear brand on the market. I, I, I agree. I, that, I know that sounds kind of maybe okay. profane let's, kind of. Let's go to the second okay. question that I have. <clears throat> so now 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 that we've established that not well. In my mind, it's and grassroots. I, yeah. Now you that I grassroots. now that I've described why I don't believe that everyone who keeps Torah and believes that Yeshua is the Messiah is Hebrew roots. Now let's try to look at a little bit, if possible, if we can, which maybe we can't, but let's try to look a little bit at what we think is the Hebrew roots. And so the two questions that I have asked the, the, on on this front is and the first one that I have to look at is this: Who are the main teachers? When we look at the Hebrew roots, and this is something that Gary brought up earlier, okay? He said, Gary earlier in the chat room said, Tony Robinson of uh, Restoration of Torah, Daniel Botkin of Gates of Eden, and Rico Cortez of Wisdom in Torah are all teachers in the Hebrew roots who I am sure have a decent grasp of Hebrew. I don't know if I would say decent grasp of Hebrew, Hebrew, but possibly. Um, I'm not trying to put those guys down. I'm just, I, I don't know that for sure. Yeah, I don't know any of those guys, so I don't know. Um but this is a this is a great point. In other words, who are who are the who, when we when I think of the Hebrew Roots movement, and I think of teachers within the, the Hebrew Roots movement, who do I think of? Now, a lot of people will say, th- you know, I think Rico T- Cortez would be one of them. I think that obviously, I think Daniel Botkin is is a good one. I in terms of uh, person that people look to as as a leader in the Hebrew Roots movement. Uh, unfortunately, and a lot of people are going to balk yeah, but at this. With these, if you ask these guys, would they consider themselves Hebrew roots? Yes, I think they would because they're part of the Hebrew roots network. Oh, okay. Well, there you go then. Okay. Um, you have Michael Rood. You have Monty Judah. And do these guys are part of a network with each other? Like they, they schmooze. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, somebody put in uh, new to Torah, Zach Bauer. I don't think that Zach is a is a teacher. I mean, I'm not trying to put Zach down. D- Dina, uh, Dina Die, right? Somebody else said 119 Ministries, right? Okay. Um, so, so these are these are the uh, <laughs> these are the people that I would consider to be in the Hebrew Roots Ministry. Jim Staley was one of them before he went to prison, right? So I think the, he still is teaching. Oh, he is. He's still teaching. Yeah. Um, so he's probably still Hebrew. Brad Scott is another one, right? Okay, so the so now we've we've established all of these who the leaders are. Who, well, the thought leaders. Who, these who, are the yeah. Who a lot of these thought leaders are. There are multiple things that kind of connect a lot of these people, and that is, uh, well, are any of them are any of them strong on deity of Yeshua? Any of those? I I personally don't know. So I think I'm, I'm just. I think uh, yes. I think there are some. Okay. Not all. Not all, but there are some. Okay. Um. So there are certain things that that define a lot of these teachers. A lot of the people that were mentioned by our chat room uh, have zero training, and that's not necessarily something that needs to. I mean, I'm not saying that that's a. You know, uh, Spurgeon didn't have any training, so I'm not. But uh, these are the kind of things that might run in. Right. A in, footnote in, there: we did have, we did get feedback saying, "Why do you? Where do you think that in order to be a a good pastor, you need to be fluent in Hebrew?" You know, and no, we didn't say that. We never said that. Right. But I think Caleb and I would both probably agree. Maybe Caleb would have a different view. I agree with the core. Uh, what the reformers basically clarified is that without leadership at some point anchored in the original languages, you're going to have trouble. And today it's that thing. So there could be a Hebrew roots group, but they've just outsourced the translation to NASB or to ESV. You know what I mean? They just outsourced the translation or to one of these new, you know, (laughs) There's a bunch of new, like messianic flavored translations, right. and even the producers of those Bibles. I would question, you know, some of the. I want to know, you know, who did the translation and and whatnot. Okay, let's go um, back. To, let's go back sorry, to it real but, quick because there's there's still you know there's still a couple of things that are predominant within the teachers that were 
that were mentioned. Two-house theology is probably one of the big ones. In other words, almost all of the people that were mentioned that are leaders or seen as teachers and or leaders within the Hebrew Roots movement believe in two-house theology. Now, for a Christian, for a for a, a mainstream Sunday uh, Christian, uh, these things are going. They're going to say, "Well, I don't, you know, I don't understand." Do you keep Torah? Yeah, you're part of the Hebrew Roots movement. But for those who have, you know, who who have been in uh, trying to keep Torah, have wrestled with some of these texts and whatnot. A lot of these are big issues. Deity of Messiah is a big one. I don't think that people realize that probably uh, at least a third of the people that were mentioned uh, waver in some way on the deity of the Messiah or or highly associate with people who do. Um, so, but obviously, two-house theology is one of them. Hebrew word picture uh, translation would be another one of them. Et, the et. Bible at, kind of thing. At, at, yeah, the at whole or the sacred thing. name kind of Bibles. Wavering on uh, on the number of books within the canon. Yeah, these are the things that I associate with Hebrew. So, admittedly, then I have my own d- due to lack of a clear brand, right? Lack of a clear institution. Here are the main teachers. Here's the statement of faith. Because there's a lack of that, I just have to. I'm just cobbling together my own experience and then kind of sketching out a picture, you know, and the picture I have is more on the uh, the side of of <laughs> of those things, you know, different two house ideas, speculation about blood moons, um, the paleo Hebrew name of God or the et, or, you know, d- those kind of things, even the flat earth kind of falls under into there so and these are these ultimately these are things that i and a rejection of of authority a rejection of institutional uh education a suspicion of a suspicion of someone who actually studied the languages because it's like oh but you learned because there's a there's an undermining now again i'm speaking from my experience i can only experience Talk from my experience, an undermining of the value of of seminary education. Here's the thing: is that I think one of the reasons that people are so upset, and one of the reasons that people get so up in arms, is because the Lord has brought people to a very clear understanding of certain parts of Scripture and practice within a biblical framework. He's brought them to that through the Hebrew Roots movement. You included, Rob. Chuck, oh, you know, totally. Chuck Missler, right? Even though he wasn't Hebrew roots, but he dabbled enough that other people that I knew that were Hebrew roots were, you know, tangentially interested in, in things Missler used to say. I just learned yesterday he, like, died in, like, 2018. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he died, like, last spring or something. That's so. Um, But the, uh, here, here, the, the point for me is... Is uh, I, there's there's a lot of things that that can be said right now. I don't want in any way to be associated with with uh, a lot of the teachers that were mentioned because I disagree thoroughly with with a lot of the uh, what I consider to be important theological aspects. And so this is one of the reasons that I have a problem with people calling me Hebrew roots. I would just I mean the first believers the apostles were called Cristiano. What was that? I'm I'm decided to log in oh. just to see the thing. Um, and so I mean, if we want to use a, you know, what were the first what were the first believers in Yeshua? Well, they were exact. You know, they were Torah observant believers in Yeshua. They didn't call themselves Hebrew roots. They didn't. I mean, if we really wanted to to use a term. Uh, that was like back to the roots, we'd call ourselves Christian roots. The Christian roots of our faith. Right? I mean, in other words, the idea of Hebrew roots, the Hebrew roots has, has a very, in my opinion, Hebrew roots has a branding, as Rob has said, that is not a branding I want or that I believe in. And so this is one of the reasons that I reject it. Now there are going to be people who say, "Well, it doesn't matter your Hebrew roots, no matter what you what you say." 
Um, okay, let's now go to. Uh, let's now go to. Somebody says that's too simple, Caleb. Okay, I'm going to be distracted. I got to lo- I got to log back out. Sorry. Um, <laughs> there's a lot going on. They said there's like sixty some odd people watching. So yeah, sixty seven people right now in our chat room. So there's a, there's a lot of. See if we can double our thirty six. We need to get to seventy two. <laughs> It's a magic Gamatria number. Okay. Um, um, okay. So just hang to on. recap. Well, hang oh, on. Go ahead. No. Uh, well, let's let's go to uh, let's go to some comments that were found on our on that video, the two minute video that made such a huge hubbub. Courtney writes in and she says, "Would classify?" Uh, she said something before. Would classify myself? I would classify myself as Hebrew roots, I guess. However. And this is uh, Courtney was the one who uh, jumped into the chat room last time, and uh, so uh, she she's been fun to kind of to watch her her interaction because she does consider herself Hebrew roots. I would classify myself as Hebrew roots, I guess. However, I'm 100% certain that most people have no clue what it is that we Hebrew roots believe. The reason I can say this confidently is because Rob mentioned that we call ourselves Hebrew roots, so we must or should all know Hebrew. While I did take the time to learn biblical Hebrew and can read, slow but can, not all are like that. However, let it be known that it is not the reason we call ourselves that. We call ourselves this because we are saying this is the original faith. Abraham was first called a Hebrew when he crossed over, quote, crossed over, and left behind the ways of his upbringing. He trusted in God, leaving behind everything and moving into a tent with a dirt floor. His faith was not based on works, not based on balancing his good works and his weakness. His faith was solely, in caps, solely that God had, uh, th- that the God he trusted in would justify him. In that, Abraham obeyed God. In short, we are not Jewish, we are Hebrew, because the difference between the two is all Jews are Hebrews, but not all Hebrews are Jews. So this is, isn't Judaism of the Jews. It's faith of Abraham, the Hebrew, like the New Testament says. That's the okay. roots. Uh, awesome. Thanks for the... Was that an email or in the Facebook or in the... That, that was a comment on YouTube. Okay. Thank you. And that was Courtney? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Courtney. That was very well written. I appreciate... I feel like I... 72. I you, we just hit 72. Keep going. I, I hear where you're coming from. I believe you, you might have misunderstood me. Uh, by the beginning there, I just said, I have never met, right? I didn't say that if you're Hebrew roots, you should know Hebrew. My, and if I, if I said something that pointed, then, then I, I would definitely retract that. My point was I had never met somebody and I made the, I did make this eye comment that with the fact that it's called Hebrew roots, you'd think that knowledge of Hebrew language would be something that you would find rather than the things I've encountered, word pictures, um, sacred name, uh, all sorts of stuff. So just to clarify on that, I would, I would push back a little on that characterization, but where you go from that, that's fine. Um, it, you would have to admit it is an innovation. It is an innovation to now call Hebrew roots. I think, like I said earlier, you'd be better if with that logic, just to use the term Hebrews, we are Hebrews. And it sounds like you do say that, but nobody in the first century was making that argument. No one in the early church were really interested. You know, they called them, the point was B'nai Avraham. We are sons of Abraham. That's how Paul calls it. And they call it uh, Israel, ultimately. They're looking to, to be Israel uh, in what we would call an expanded Israel. That is the, the idea of the, the sitting at the table back to table fellowship, which Caleb is, and I had a great discussion about earlier, um, in the messianic age, like in Matthew eight is we will, you know, many will come from the East and West and sit and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that this is the picture of the eschatological meal that we, in our table fellowship here in this world, we have Jews and Gentiles sitting together, which goes against not the Torah of Moses, but goes against the tradi- the dogma, the traditions of men that had been built up, and that's what Yeshua uh, eliminates, obviously. Um, but nobody there, you'd probably admit that nobody in the first century was interested in using the t- the term Hebrew to meet that uh, to mean that. Um, and there's actually a really good book um, by Mir Sternberg um, called the. Pa- uh, 
I have it up there. Hebrews throughout cultures or something like that. And he's, he's, this is interesting too, because he was, he asked this question. He says, why do people from England speak English? Why do people from France speak French? Why do people from Spain speak Spanish, but people from Israel speak Hebrew? And so this question of like, why do, is the name of our language different than the name of our country? And that, and he's a he's a scholar. Uh, he was a Talmudic prodigy, and then he became an academic, uh, Mir Sternberg, and he written numerous scholarly books. The poetic, uh, uh, what is it? The art of biblical poetry, or something like that. Biblical poetics. Anyway, point is, what is this term Hebrew? And in his discussion, he gets into why does Jonah in chapter one tell the people on the ship that he's a Hebrew? Or why is why in uh, Egypt is Joseph called he, a Hebrew? Um, and he gets into the use of the term Hebrew used for peoplehood throughout Tanakh, just, not just for Abraham, but throughout Tanakh, even into, uh, you know, he has ideas about why Paul says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. And so there's an ethnic issue here. Well, Paul also says he's an Israelite, right? And he's also Jew. So um, it's okay. I don't have a problem if people are going to say, I'm a Hebrew and I'm different from Jews. That's fine. You're entitled. But our underlying point, I think, still have, it needs to be addressed. Why Hebrew roots, A? And the issue of it seems to be a self-adopted term that then is projected on others, without a clear uh, statement or articulation of what is what is affirmed and what is rejected. And because there's a lack of clarity of the, you know, just even like a healthy cell, right? A cell in a body, a healthy cell has to let certain things in and reject other things, block other things. Otherwise, if a cell at a biological level lets in stuff that is contrary to the life and longevity of the cell, it'll get diseased and it'll die, right? A cell, and that's what the immune system does, right? God designed our immune system that, that a healthy cell will let in at the cell wall, it lets in stuff that's that's crucial to the nourishment and sustainability of its life, and it has to reject and block out things that want to intrude. Hebrew roots doesn't seem to have to offer anything to the body of Messiah that helps its immunity against false doctrine because there's no clarity of signal. There's no clear signal of this is what it is and it's not that. Now, if people out there want to unify and brand a Hebrew roots and say this is what Hebrew roots is, then – Isn't you know, it too late for that to... though? Isn't it too late for that? I mean yeah. the, the term has uh, – in, in, in different pockets, different communities, different whatever, I mean – if you ask my father, who, uh, you know, I don't, I don't believe my father has ever been part of the Hebrew roots. My I father, think has, he would consider himself having been either. He, he no, say he, he absolutely would, yeah. would not. Yeah. Um, and he was never part of a Hebrew roots congregation from the very beginning. My father pushed against the Hebrew roots teachers and said, "No, this is this the teaching is is wrong in this area, this area, in this area." Um, so. But, you know, if you use the word Hebrew roots around my father, there's almost a level of, oh, come on, here, here we go again. Let's go to another comment. Michael writes, Hebrew roots, question mark, simple. My KJB calls him the god of the Hebrews, Exodus 4. Ignatius of Antioch invented the term Christianismos, entirely divorced from Tanakh. That is not true. It's well, just, Christian, I don't know about Christianismos. The ismos, but the Fair word enough. Christian, the word Christian yeah. is in in Peter and in Acts. I think, yeah, it's in Peter and in Acts. Um, yeah, so. yeah, and, and and then I want to look at this. And, no, and here's the other thing: we don't use the word Christianism. All right, you know, like Judaismos. Now we say Judaism, but we don't say it Christianismos. We don't use so it doesn't matter that that uh, Ignatius invented that term. Nobody today is using Christianism. As a term, we use the word Christian, which is, comes directly from the Greek. Um, so, so that's a that's a that's a swing and a miss there a little bit. 
Okay, and then, you know, we get comments like this, not just on this on this video. We get comments on this quite a bit, like this quite a bit. Elizabeth wrote in, now she, somebody responded to her, so I'll tell you where the response is. Anyway, she says, pride, 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 you two just ooze it. Not a shred of love or compassion in your voice. I'm sorry that you don't appreciate my tone, Elizabeth. I'm not sure how to change my voice. It is just the voice that God gave me. Um, and quite frankly, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think it's interesting that people, uh, write things like this, uh, because I'm, uh, this is a show. <laughs> Let me explain the show to you. This is a show where we, where we come on, we look at different theological, uh, beliefs. We discuss and, and talk about what we, what we personally believe. If you it's don't, an opinion. This is an opinion. Yeah, if you don't like it, that's fine. It's not pride. It's trying to discuss and hash out and talk to uh, different issues within theology. Somebody responded. She says, this isn't ad hominem because the person said you're using an ad hominem argument. Why don't you just talk about the issue that they're talking about? She said, this isn't ad hominem. This may be the fourth or fifth time I've tried listening to these men. And each time I'm turned off even more than previously. And here's one of the things that I don't understand. You know what? Uh, this happens to me, too. I'll get onto YouTube. I'll get, you know, I'll listen to a podcast or whatever. There are certain people that I really, really don't like. I don't like to listen to them. Now, they might be fine people, but I don't like to listen to them, and I don't appreciate the approach that they take when it comes to different teachings. I, but I don't continue to try to listen to them. I switch the channel, and I'm not sure why there are so many people who, uh, who decide to continue to try to, to listen and then comment. Anyway, she says, there is no love. You know, uh, John 13.35 says that you will know them by their love. And I would encourage anyone who says that there's no love uh, to go to Rob's congregation sometime or to come and visit my, the congregation I attend on a Shabbat. Um, I think that that, uh, that is just a, a horrible thing to say about a believer. Uh, and especially when you are not uh, involved in the person's life or their walk with the Lord and you don't, I mean, it's one thing to see somebody, look, I don't, I don't think that James White, who, by the way, I really appreciate, I don't think that James White goes home and just, you know, uh, you know, unloads on his wife theologically or, you know, tells his daughter, you know, how wrong she is all the time. James White is a believer who has a, a life and has, has a congregation, and I'm sure he is a very pleasant and wonderful man to hang out with. All the people that he debates say, says that he is. On a personal level, he's a great person. And when he debates, he is a fierce debater. There's nothing wrong with that. Looking at theology is different than, than uh, life to life. And so, um, I, I, uh, appreciate, you know, and honestly, after these kind of comments, every time we get one of these kind of comments, I usually go and watch something last night. I went home and I, uh, because of this comment, I looked up, uh, Timothy Keller on, on pride. Now he has some great teachings on pride. He does uh, a teaching on the book of Esther and he does a teaching on Nebuchadnezzar and pride. And I would highly recommend them. However, I ended up finding Timothy Keller on identity and boy, oh boy. He's just such a blessing. Um, okay, did you want to jump into the chat room? I got, uh, I got. Let a me couple... pull. Let me pull it up. It says, "Wow, like seventy nine people." Wow, I got cool. eighty one. Yeah. Um, we could look at now. I got some really good other topics. So we have a whole thing, and I got a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, voice message today from Evelyn, who's in the chat room, and we will get to that next week. Uh, I got a really, really good. Uh, email from a person named Daniel uh, on the gospel on uh, and this, but this would take I mean this could be a main topic for next week but let's do this one Justin writes in Rob you can you can speak to this Justin ro- writes in and he says does Exodus sixteen twenty nine say we have to stay in stay home and not gather on the Sabbath this was brought up today saying Yeshua and, and disciples traveled and gathered grain. Uh, let, me, let me real quick. This would be an impossibility since there is a command that the Sabbath is a Micha Chodesh. It's a holy gathering. So you have to be able to gather on Shabbat. So this is, they say it's Exodus 16. Is that the one? Uh, I'm sorry, Exodus 16, 29. Correct. Yeah, I, I've, I've talked with people about this one too. Um. 
He says, let no man go out of his place, right? It says, al yetze ish mimkomo. Let not a man yetze go out from his place on the seventh day. Well, the point is, if you have to look at the context, first right. of all, this is be- before Sinai, mm-hmm. but it said, verse 27, you have to go back to verse 27. It says, and it was on the seventh day, yatsa'u min ha'am, lirkot velo matsa'u. On the seventh day, they went out. Some of the people went out to, to gather, gather matzah, and they did right. not find. Or, not matzah, uh, yeah. Okay, so it says, so it's the same verb. So here it says, uh, let no man go out. The implication is don't go out to gather manna. That, that's the issue. The issue is manna. He says on the seventh day, stay, don't, there's not going to be any manna. You're going to gather on the sixth day twice as much, and as a miracle, it's not going to uh, go putrid like it would if you tried to store it any other day, and you're going to have enough food for two days. Don't go out. And it says they go. They went out. That's all it is. This is a, a narrative situation. You're not to, to derive big-picture halakhic norms you know, from this. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I've seen people try to push that this means people should stay home and it's ridiculous. It's again, it it's, ridiculous. People, it's people who are just, Hey, if you just would look, and this is again, Hebrews good to learn and to be able to read, you know, because if I just, um, if I look up the verb, well, I guess if I had a Strong's number, it's, it's the same Strong's number and you could see that it's the same words, but Context is important. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look at the Go, chat. We, yeah, we. I okay, mean, let's hear. We got it's, we got more people in the chat room than I think we've ever had. Um, before we did go, did Yeshua stay home on the Sabbath? No, of course not, because they were out in the grain fields, right? Right. Good point. That's I, I like merciful servants of God. Yeah, he went into the synagogue. That means he must have left. <laughs> he must have left his home. That's a really good, really simple way to put it. Good question. Um. Joseph says, I am a Hebrew and an Israelite. So I wonder if Joseph would consider himself Hebrew roots or would he just say, I'm just Hebrew? You know, that's that's good. Um, let's see here. We don't need titles. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Well, you know, actually, hang on. Here's the thing. Wait, I want to speak to that real quick. I want to speak to that. For Alfred, we don't need titles? I want to speak to that real quick. Okay, go ahead. No matter what, we always have to clarify if I say I'm a Baptist, okay, people will say, well, what kind of Baptist are you? Right? Are you reform? So there's always clarification. And one of the things that Joshua said in the chat room way earlier was, um, you know, I, 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 I tell people that I'm uh, 99% uh, Protestant. So basically, I tend to do somewhat of the same thing. Recently, and of course, everyone who listens to this show on a regular basis knows that I have, I have trouble with, with labels, and so I've been hashing those out for the past five or six years. Recently, I've been saying, I'm, I'm a non-denominational Christian. And then I obviously have to expand on that. But I'm a Sabbatarian. I keep a kosher diet, and I keep the festivals. But or, in terms of orthodoxy, I would consider myself very close to Orthodox Christianity. I believe in the Trinity. I believe I do believe in in. <laughs> I mean, the wording. Once again, we're going to get into language. I do believe in the sacrament of communion. However, I believe it's done once a year on the fourteenth of Nisan. Um, so I mean, the, there's there's a lot within the the within Orthodox Christianity and the theological aspects of it that I would fully and totally agree with. Okay, keep going, Rob. I'm sorry. Um, but the point is, is that we we are always going to have to clarify. If you say, if I were to say, oh well, I'm Hebrew roots, I'm going to have to clarify. But I don't believe in, and then a laundry list of things. Or I'm a non-denominational Christian, and I but I believe in, and then several right. things. Okay, so and and this is our challenge. You know, we're 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 to be in the world, but not of the world. And so we, we have to recognize a few things. One is our identities in Yeshua. And, and God has preserved the scriptures for us by his uh, divine providence, which is a beautiful thing for us. So it's important to, like Yeshua says, we want to build our house on the rock. 
right? We want to build our house on the rock. So when the storms come, our house stays standing. Okay, so that's basically picture. So the the greater grasp we have of the scriptures and that our understanding of who we are as new creations in Messiah is anchored and rooted in the the living word of God, that's building the house. That's the, the house built on rock. That's the tree planted by the the streams of water from Psalm 1, etc. Okay. To the degree that I'm using non-biblical terms and making them crucial to my identity, that's building on sand. Right. Amen. And so so what's important here, it's it's not but on the flip side, we are called to be in this world. So when Caleb says I'm a non-denominational Christian, you know, with, with da, 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 da. sure, he's having to use non-biblical terminology. However, He's doing it wisely in response to the way, to the way other people are using. He's not going to use that inappropriately. He's only going to say it to people for whom that will help them. It'll help communication happen. So, so in other words, again, we're back to the 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 immune system of the body Messiah must, by definition, have the ability to differentiate between what belongs and what does not belong. Right. Because the instant, just in, just like with the human body or just like with a tree, a living, any, any living tree, any living plant, if something that doesn't belong infiltrates, it's going it, to, it'll kill or it'll mold up or whatever the organism, the, the main, the host organism. And so the, a good immune system is the ability to differentiate what is good for the system and the ability to, to fight off and defend itself against what doesn't belong. And that, that happens, A, how do we get a healthy immune system? We got to know the Word of God. Got to know the Word of God. And it, whether you outsource the translation or you do it yourself or you're somewhere in between learning the languages, you got to know the Word of God. Then with that equipment, you're in the world interacting with other people that have uh, have a, contracted all sorts of nonsensical ideas and that lack that differentiation. And so back to Ephesians, he, he raises up teachers, evangelists, right? All He equips the body with individuals who help clarify what belongs and what doesn't belong. Because without that, you have no true shepherding. Without that, you have no one who's going to be able to tell you that there's a wolf in sheep's right. clothing in the midst. Right? Where, what, what's the whole idea of, of the watchman on the wall? Right? What is this? This is guarding the borders. If, if you're a situation, well, and I, I was part of a community years and years ago that did not have differentiation in the leadership between the, you know, the ramifications of, of these various doctrines. And one teacher would come in in one week, another teacher, they were all selling their stuff. They all had good ideas. This goes back into the 90s for me with the Chuck Misslers and the, the Monty Judas and the, the Michael Rudes. Okay. It's, it's. Who's standing up for the Word of God? And you might think that Hebrew roots doesn't need Hebrew language as part of that identity. I would say, you know what? I'd say you're mistaken. It might not be all, and I can understand your enthusiasm for Abraham being called a Hebrew, and you want to be called Hebrew in, like the Courtney's email that represents to her the faith of Abraham over against the traditions of men. Fine. It's a beautiful picture. I don't think of that when I think Hebrew roots. My association with Hebrew roots is limited to what I've been exposed to, but it's not the message that, that I hear in that text. Language ultimately is a part of the issue, whether you let someone else do the translation and you trust them or you're trying to learn it yourself. But the leadership in the body Messiah at some place has to deal with the 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 language issue, because that's the, that's the word of God. That's what we're building with. And that's where we get our, our, not only our edification, but our ability to, to stand strong and defend. And we can say what belongs and what doesn't belong because we have that, that sword. You can Google it. Okay. This has been an interesting and fun show. I'm so happy that everyone showed up to join us and to uh, be a part of it. And I hope that the people who listen uh, either on the podcast or on YouTube later will also be edified by it and 
possibly learn something, even if you disagree with us, which a lot of people do. Uh, that's totally fine to, to disagree with us, obviously. Um, and we encourage you to send in emails uh, or to call our comment line. You can call our comment line. No one's going to answer the phone. It's just a message machine. You can leave your message and uh, tell us either that you agree, disagree, kind of agree, whatever. You think we're morons. You think that we're wonderful, whatever. It does it. You can do whatever. You, you can say whatever you want. 253 465 3205. It's 253-465-3205. We do listen to every single message that comes in. Also, you can send us an email, cheg at torahresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at torahresource.com, and I read every single email. I do filter them so Rob doesn't have to see every single one that comes in. But, Caleb, uh, we, we, didn't, we didn't talk about ne next week's Yom Kippur. That's right. And uh, yes, and next Wednesday, next Wednesday. So what we will do next week is we will probably have a show on Tuesday. Um, I'm don't quote me on that. It might be Thursday. Um, look out for your show notes. Whenever your show notes come in, you'll know that we're going to have a show. Um, no, he no, I, I have to say Courtney, Br Courtney Brad. She just put Abraham was a Hebrew, not at birth. No, that's misunderstanding. He's called a Hebrew because he's from uh, ever. He's from a person named Hebrew. It, it's a word play. There's a word play in, I think it's in Joshua 24, where it says they overeem, they crossed over. But, but Abraham was called a Hebrew. Doesn't mean he was a person who crossed over. That's a midrashic significance that you're adding to the actual text. I just want to clarify there. That's a, that's a midrash. And it's a clever, and it has meaning, but that's that's not clear from Genesis. That's just my my point on that. Yeah. Well, and uh, feel once again, if you disagree with that, feel free to send us an email and or call our comment line. All right. Well, we hope that uh, no matter what you call yourself, that this uh, conversation <laughs> did glorify our great God and Savior Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, because Messiah matters. 